Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sports Day, live from the Toolkit Depot Studios at Optus Stadium. For Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. Hi everyone, welcome to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. Thanks, Hayes and Mardo, back with a run home. I love the cameos of Jimmy Williams, you know, uh, right at the end of the last quarter of an hour. Just outstanding is. Jimmy's now behind uh, the uh, big glass window here in the producer's area with Lee, making sure that everything goes okay for the next hour between now and six o'clock. We're all here thanks to Kia, of course, sponsors of Sports Day, uh, the Kia all-electric EV6 GT supercar. It is a great piece of uh, a motor vehicle. And you can join us on the temperate bedshed text machine as well, 0487 736 736. Now, we've got uh, From the Vault coming up a bit later on, and we're going to speak to a gentleman who recorded something that not many people have done. We've got an Ashes series coming up later this year in the Northern Hemisphere. And back in 1972, a fella took 16 wickets in his test debut against England. Here's one of the wickets. This is actually his very first wicket of 16 in that test match at Lord's. Bowling, a good victory there for Massey, a good Yorker. And look at the breakthrough for the Australians. Look at the joy on Massey's face. Fine effort by this young bowler playing in his first test match. And what a victim to get as your first test wicket. Jeffrey Boycott, the England opener. Bowled Massey for 11. So there you go. That was first of 16 wickets he took. That's a very young uh, Richie Benno there in commentary. The first of 16 wickets that he took in his very first test match at Lords back in 1972. We're going to talk to the great man later on here on Sports Day. I'm really looking forward to that. That's uh, from the vault. Bob Massey joining us here on Sports Day. We're live here from the Toolkit Depot. The hot topic today for me for... Our friends at Repco for expert car service, book in to your local Repco authorised centre, is we need to move on this quickly now. The Australian Open, which is on currently, and we've got a women's singles quarter final match between Victoria Azarenka and Jessica Pagula. And it's Azarenka who leads by five games to two. Pagula now about to surf to stay in the first set. But the Australian Open today will not recognise Australia Day. Uh, Tennis Australia has confirmed that no official celebrations will go ahead and the tournament will instead focus on celebrating women's tennis. Now, the decision comes as Indigenous sports stars now speak up against the day 
And in the last 24 hours, we know that Australian women's cricket star Ashley Gardner recently said she was uncomfortable at playing a scheduled T20 clash against Pakistan on a day that signifies the beginning of genocide, massacres and disposition. I remember going to the Australian Open just a few years ago. Literally, it was probably four, five years ago. And in the night session, they used to pause for around about five minutes because all the fireworks used to go off around the Yarra and it used to cause a huge disturbance to the players. They used to have a pause in the match because it's, uh, in this occasion, a Thursday night, so it would have been women's singles semi-final night. So they would have a pause. But sometimes it would be on the weekend, and it might be the men's or women's singles final. What I'm saying here, and I'm not going one way or the other, but this issue has grown significantly in a short space of time. In the last five years, it seems now to have become a huge boulder, and it continues to roll down the hill and get bigger and bigger. So something needs to be done immediately. And I was talking to a couple of people just recently. I don't know any other country in the world that doesn't, in some ways with pride, celebrate their national day. And clearly January the 26th is not our national day anymore because of the division in our community. So we need to do something about it and we need to do it very quickly and the parties concerned need to come together because some people will feel very uncomfortable about not celebrating Australia Day on the 26th and we know there's certainly a large percentage of our population led by the Indigenous sports stars, particularly when it comes to sport, that have spoken up against this day. But it's become a significant issue this time of year I think, in the last five years. It's only been short-term. I remember this conversation coming up only a few years ago about changing the date. And as I said, I'm not on one fence or the other fence. I'm just saying, for the benefit of this country and what we need to do going forward, something needs to be done sooner than later. That's a hot topic for me. All thanks to Repco for expert car service. Book into your local Repco authorised service centre. Just updating again, the tennis set point at the moment for Azarenka, but Pagula's got it back to juice, so she's just just hanging in there in this first set. Jessica Pagula, who is ranked number three in this tournament. Uh, Victoria Azarenka, who's taken off two previous Australian Opens, but they're about a decade ago. And then, of course, she went away, became a mother. She had some also health and injury issues, but she's come back. And she's an outstanding player, and she's showing that again at a mature age to uh, be at the quarterfinal stage of the first Grand Slam of 2023. Speaking of tennis, uh, Wimbledon champion Elena Rubikina is through to the semis. She defeated Yelena Ostapenko 6-2-6-4 earlier today. But fans were left stunned by a moment from the first set. Now, Jimmy brought this up in his little segment on the run home where there was a break at 3-1 in the first set, Rybakina up. And there, a shower hit Melbourne and forced the pair off the court for 25 minutes. The Rod Laver Arena was drenched. And when the roof came over, it had to be dried. But instead of having a faster way of driving the, drying the court, instead the ball kids... Once again, came to the rescue, 
uh, drying the court on their hands and knees with towels. And Tennis Australia explained it was the fastest way to get play going. Very interesting indeed. Also uh, today, big news with Karen Kachin, uh, Kachinov reaching his second consecutive Grand Slam semi-final. He beat Sebastian Corder who had to retire hurt, ending the young American's dream of emulating his father Petter's 1998 title run. Quarter needed treatment on a wrist injury in the second set of their quarterfinal before calling it quits, trailing 7-6, love to the Russian 18th seed on Rod Laver Arena. And now Kachanov's reward is a clash with either the Greek third seed Stefanos Tsitsipas or the unseeded Czech Yidi Leka, who play later for a spot in Sunday's final. We'll take a break, uh, and that update, all thanks to Tire Power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tire Power. 5-3, in fact, uh, Pagula holds serve, so it's 5-3, Azarenka to serve for the first set in this women's singles quarterfinal. Val Febo will join us to talk everything tennis. And, of course, coming up later on, we go into the vault and speak to Bob Massey, 50 years on almost. In fact, it's 51, coming up to 51 years since he took 16 wickets in his debut test match for Australia at the home of cricket, Lords in London. It's eight past five here on Sports Day. Sports Day, live from the Toolkit Depot Studios at Optus Stadium. For Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento large SUV. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. Thanks, Hayes and Mardo. Back with a run home. I love the cameos of Jimmy Williams, you know, uh, right at the end of the last quarter of an hour. Just outstanding is. Jimmy's now behind uh, the uh, big glass window here in the producer's area with Lee, making sure that everything goes okay for the next hour between now and 6 o'clock. We're all here thanks to Kia, of course, sponsors of Sports Day, uh, the Kia all-electric uh, EV6 GT supercar. It is a great piece of uh, a motor vehicle. And you can join us on the temperate bedshed text machine as well, 0487 736 736. Now, we've got uh, From the Vault coming up a bit later on, and we're going to speak to a gentleman who recorded something that not many people have done. We've got an Ashes series coming up later this year in the Northern Hemisphere. And back in 1972, a fella took 16 wickets in his test debut against England. Here's one of the wickets. This is actually his very first wicket of 16 in that test match at Lord's. Bowling, a good victory there for Massey, a good Yorker. And look at the breakthrough for the Australians. Look at the joy on Massey's face. Fine effort by this young bowler playing in his first test match. And what a victim to get as your first test wicket. Jeffrey Boycott, the England opener. Bowled Massey for 11. So there you go. That was first of 16 wickets he took 
That's a very young uh, Richie Benno there in commentary. The first of 16 wickets that he took in his very first test match at Lords back in 1972. We're going to talk to the great man later on here on Sports Day. I'm really looking forward to that. That's uh, from the vault. Bob Massey joining us here on Sports Day. We're live here from the Toolkit Depot. The hot topic today for me for... Our friends at Repco for expert car service, book in to your local Repco authorised centre, is we need to move on this quickly now. The Australian Open, which is on currently, and we've got a women's singles quarter final match between Victoria Azarenka and Jessica Pagula. And it's Azarenka who leads by five games to two. Pagula now about to surf to stay in the first set. But the Australian Open today will not recognise Australia Day. Uh, Tennis Australia has confirmed that no official celebrations will go ahead and the tournament will instead focus on celebrating women's tennis. Now, the decision comes as Indigenous sports stars now speak up against the day. And in the last 24 hours, we know that Australian women's cricket star Ashley Gardner recently said she was uncomfortable at playing a scheduled T20 clash against Pakistan on a day that signifies the beginning of genocide, massacres and disposition. I remember going to the Australian Open just a few years ago. Literally, it was probably four, five years ago. And in the night session, they used to pause for around about five minutes because all the fireworks used to go off around the Yarra and it used to cause a huge disturbance to the players. They used to have a pause in the match because it's, uh, in this occasion, a Thursday night, so it would have been women's singles semi-final night. So they would have a pause. But sometimes it would be on the weekend, and it might be the men's or women's singles final. What I'm saying here, and I'm not going one way or the other, but this issue has grown significantly in a short space of time. In the last five years, it seems now to have become a huge boulder, and it continues to roll down the hill and get bigger and bigger. So something needs to be done immediately. And I was talking to a couple of people just recently. I don't know any other country in the world that doesn't, in some ways with pride, celebrate their national day. And clearly January the 26th is not our national day anymore because of the division in our community. So we need to do something about it and we need to do it very quickly and the parties concerned need to come together because some people will feel very uncomfortable about not celebrating Australia Day on the 26th and we know there's certainly a large percentage of our population led by the Indigenous sports stars, particularly when it comes to sport, that have spoken up against this day. But it's become a significant issue this time of year I think, in the last five years. It's only been short-term. I remember this conversation coming up only a few years ago about changing the date. And as I said, I'm not on one fence or the other fence. I'm just saying, for the benefit of this country and what we need to do going forward, something needs to be done sooner than later. That's a hot topic for me. All thanks to Repco for expert car service. Book into your local Repco authorised service centre. Just updating again, the tennis set point at the moment for Azarenka, but Pagula's got it back to juice, so she's just just hanging in there in this first set. Jessica Pagula, who is ranked number three in this tournament. Uh, Victoria Azarenka, who's taken off two previous Australian Opens, 
But they're about a decade ago. And then, of course, she went away, became a mother. She had some also health and injury issues. But she's come back and she's an outstanding player. And she's showing that again at a mature age to uh, be at the quarterfinal stage of the first Grand Slam of 2023. Speaking of tennis, uh, Wimbledon champion Elena Rabakina is through to the semis. She defeated Yelena Ostapenko 6-2-6-4 earlier today. But fans were left stunned by a moment from the first set. Now, Jimmy brought this up in his little segment on the run home where there was a break at 3-1 in the first set, Rabakina up. And there, a shower hit Melbourne and forced the pair off the court for 25 minutes. The Rod Laver Arena was drenched, and when the roof came over, it had to be dried. But instead of having a faster way of driving the, drying the court, instead the ball kids once again came to the rescue, uh, drying the court on their hands and knees with towels. And Tennis Australia explained it was the fastest way to get play going. Very interesting indeed. Also uh, today, big news with Karen Kachin, uh, Kachinov reaching his second consecutive Grand Slam semi-final. He beat Sebastian Corder, who had to retire hurt, ending the young American's dream of emulating his father Petter's 1998 title run. Corder needed treatment on a wrist injury in the second set of their quarterfinal before calling it quits, trailing 7-6, 6-3-3-love to the Russian 18th seed on Rod Laver Arena. And now Kachanov's reward is a clash with either the Greek third seed Stefano Tsitsipas or the unseeded Czech Yidi Leka, who play later for a spot in Sunday's final. We'll take a break, uh, and that update, all thanks to Tire Power, buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tire Power. 5-3, in fact, uh, Pagula holds serve, so it's 5-3, Azarenka to serve for the first set in this women's singles quarterfinal. Val Febo will join us to talk everything tennis. And, of course, coming up later on, we go into the vault and speak to Bob Massey, 50 years on almost. In fact, it's 51, coming up to 51 years since he took 16 wickets in his debut test match for Australia at the home of cricket, Lords in London. It's eight past five here on Sports Day. Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Yeah, great to have your company here on Sports Day. You can get involved in the temperate bedshed uh, text machine on 0487 736 736. Call 13 Of course, bedshed are the experts in temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases. Check the range of temper products in store or visit bedshed.com.au. And Sports Day is here for Kia, the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar. Uh, there is a big bash match uh, currently underway, and uh, it is the Strikers that are taking on the Renegades. Uh, currently, it is the Strikers who are batting. Alex Carey's not out 64 of 44 balls. Uh, he's certainly leading the way for the Strikers, and they're four for 115 and they've just started the 17th over. Uh, Farwood Ahmed, uh, the leading wicket-taker, two for 16. Uh, Corey Roccaccioli, by the way, four overs, one for 36, the young West Australian. So that's what's happening uh, in the cricket. In the tennis, as I mentioned, uh, Victoria Azarenka took the first set against Jessica Pagula by six games to four. 
And Pagula is now serving after Azarenka took the first game of the second set. And in fact, it is a break point. And I think Pagula has hit it long. Yes, and Azarenka has broken early uh, in that second set over Jessica Pagula, Pagula. And she leads by two games to love. Just before we go uh, into the vault and speak to Bob Massey about the 16 wickets he took at Lords in his very, very first test match for Australia against England. Let's just recap uh, some of the major stories today. As we know, Ash Gardner has made a stance regarding playing a scheduled T20 clash uh, against Pakistan on the day that she thinks signifies the beginning of genocide, massacres and disposition. Meg Lanning is the captain of the Australian women's cricket team and this is what she had to say on Ash Gardner's stance on January 26. We're fully supportive of Ash and, and her stance and her feelings and, and views around it. It's something that we can't control in terms of, of the scheduling and, and playing on that day, but something that um, we would like to do is just acknowledge the, the sadness and grief that that day does bring for um, First Nations people. Try and create a better understanding of, of what it means and, and, and their culture, um, and that's what we're, we're using this, you know, this opportunity to do. Um, so, But I, I think it's a really united front within the group. Uh, we will be wearing our Indigenous jersey um, on Jan 26th and um, there's, there's a few other things we're doing as well. We're doing a, a cultural tour as well the day before um, to try and learn a, learn a little bit more. Mm, OK, that's Meg Lanning, the captain of the Australian women's cricket team. Uh, big game here on Saturday night, 4.15 it gets underway. It is uh, the match between the Perth Scorchers and the Sydney Sixers. The winner will go straight through to the decider, in other words, the, the grand final. A couple of injury concerns for the Scorchers, and here's Adam Voges giving us an update on AJ Ty and Matt Kelly's injuries going to that big game on Saturday. Yeah, they're both, they're both fine. Uh, in all seriousness, um, yeah, Kells is probably the the, the one who took a well, it was a really nasty blow. And um, but no, I spoke to him yesterday. He's had some stitches uh, in and outside of his mouth, um, but he he had a good sleep and is is feeling okay. So thankfully, he's okay. Um, he's got obviously concussion protocols that we'll need to follow over the next week to see whether he's available on Saturday. But but thankfully he's feeling okay and uh, yeah, AJ's fine. I think he's it's just a bruised ego more than more than anything. But um, uh, he'll certainly be fine and, and right to go. Oh, yes. And we're now going inside the vault. And I thought we'd go back to 1972. It was at Lords where this gentleman, Robert Arnold Lockyer Massey, of course, a West Australian and a former Australian cricketer who played test cricket for Australia. It was only a real short stint, actually, between 1972 and 1973. He was a swing bowler. Uh, as I said, a relatively short international career, but he's remembered for a test debut like no other. In 1972 at Lords in London, the home of cricket, he took eight wickets in each innings with figures of 16 for 137 for the match. Now, this was a world record for a test deputant until beaten by India's Narendra Helwani, who took 16 wickets for just one run fewer. It was an amazing performance by Bob Massey, and it still is uh, revered this day, some 51 years on. In fact, he started the tour 
that 1972 Ashes tour with an opening first-class match against Worcester, uh, where he took six for 31. He missed the first test because of injury, and then, of course, butted up and took eight for 84 and eight for 53 in the two innings and completely destroyed England in that test match. The Australian team was captained by Ian Chappell, and it gives us uh, great pleasure to uh, welcome a man that uh, has always been fairly quiet by nature and doesn't like talking about his feats uh, too openly, but I thought this was a great one to go back inside the vault here on Sports Day and talk to the great uh, Bob Massey, who, of course, uh, grew up uh, around Bedford and became one of the great Australian cricketers. Bob, thanks for joining us here on Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos. No problem, Peter. How are you travelling? Yeah, not too bad. Can't believe it's 50 years last year since your test debut at Lords. Uh, do you think about it much these days? Oh, yeah, it's, it's always around. Someone's always mentioning it or someone always talk about a, about a book that they've read and something about it in there and so on and so forth. So it's not far away. I have got a DVD of the game that was... Um, Oh, I forget where I got it from. I know, actually, I think it was Colin Cowdery actually gave me a VHS and I had that put onto DVD. So I've got the game, which is a bit scratchy in that by now, but uh, I have got the game on DVD. It's amazing when you look at Bob Massey, uh, just a local here, I think grew up in Bedford, went to Hillcrest Primary, played for Bayswater Morley in grey cricket here, and all of a sudden represented Western Australia, and then you made your debut at Lords in 1972 after missing, as we know, the first test of that Ashes series due to injury. Did you think you'd get called up for the second test? Well, I, I thought I would because um, I'd, I'd played three matches against the rest of the world in 71-2 against Sobers and Graham Pollock and co. And I had, had success against them, getting seven wickets at Sydney. So I felt that I'd be a, a starter. Uh, and then, sadly enough, it was at Lords where um, we are playing the MCC and... Dennis was bowling superbly from the nursery and up the hill, which was rather strange. But he was beating, causing boycott a lot of trouble. And I was, it was really swinging in the first two overs. In the first ball of the third over, I got into the into my action and it felt like someone had stabbed me in the side with a knife. Uh, I'd done damage to my side, done the intercostal muscle or something. And uh, I was out for three and a half weeks which was disappointing because it was, apart from not being able to play, I missed out on some of the juiciest wickets to bowl on um, at that stage of the season. It's interesting that you spent a bit of time playing cricket for Kilmarnock in Scotland, where you think that was a huge advantage going into that Ashes series. Absolutely. <clears throat> I, uh, I was bowling with the Duke ball uh, every week, uh, a, a bit of practice and being the professional, I I played in the friendly matches on a Sunday after the championship matches on a Saturday. Um, I wouldn't always bowl a lot, but I'd play to fill up numbers and uh, just help the guys coming in for the, from the other grades that were playing on the Sunday. So I got a lot of experience with that ball. But I went to, to, to Kilmarnock to improve my cricket. That was my number one aim every year, was to come back a better bowler um, working on line and length because you couldn't bowl short, you couldn't intimidate anybody because the pitches were just too slow. 
It's interesting. People, even Ian Chappell, your captain, regarded you just as a real hard worker. You worked on your ability to swing the ball, and he said you spent countless hours in the nets trying to perfect it. Were you a bit of a workaholic in trying to get it right? Well, that's how we prepared in those days. Um, I mean, Dennis Lilly, you know, had, you know how long his run was. Dennis would bowl for probably an hour and a quarter or so off the full run at state practice on a Wednesday night, which didn't really please some of the batsmen, I don't think. But um, he uh, he was a, a, not only a, worked very hard in the nets, but Dennis, of course, then would go and run laps and miles and what have you. And no doubt, like all of us, did a lot of work away from regular practice, um, doing things by yourself to just try and you know, improve your skill because I realised early on that looking at the WA state squad, there's about eight fellas in front of me that were going to get the new ball down breeze. So I had to use a breeze to my advantage and I used to go down the local park and I used to practice running into the sea breeze. No bowling, just trying different things when the breeze was really strong to try and work out how to run into it so it didn't buffet you around and knock you off balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when I go down there, Gordon Becker, who was uh, a West Australian Shield player, went on a, a test tour to South Africa, was also a waffle umpire. And he'd be down there practising his bouncing of the football and uh, we'd have a bit of a chat and then I'd get on back to running into the, into the window and he'd start bouncing the footy again. Amazing. You took eight for 84 in the first innings, Bob, at eight for 53 in the second innings. Uh can you highlight which was a better bowling performance? Was it the first innings or the second innings? Um, well, I think the first innings I started off, I did spray the ball around quite a bit. And I think there was a bit of nerves, um, a bit eager. Um, the slope initially is quite a distraction. And I was bowling for the nursery again, so it was sloping from mid-on to third man. You know, there's about a seven or eight-foot drop overall. And it's quite noticeable, but by about day three, you don't notice it so much. But uh, I think the second innings, I've bought a lot better consistently. And, of course, things happened a lot more quickly. But it was a bit of a drag in a way because I had worked out in my mind how I was going to bowl to each batsman. And I did bowl around the wicket to Dolivera in the first innings, and he drove me through the covers for a few fours. So I abandoned that idea and thought I'll bowl over the wicket to him. Um, but I had always planned to bowl around the wicket and bowl my inswinger at Edridge's off stump, which was, of course, leaving him. And I did get him caught behind. And for some reason, I thought to myself, no, no, don't chop and change. Just stay around the wicket for a while, see what happens. And they just kept nicking them and kept getting caught. And so I pretty much stayed around the wicket most of the time um, until we had him nine for 80-something at stumps, which was just incredible. Saying that, led by Ian Chappell, what about some of your other teammates that no doubt were very supportive of your performance during that series, particularly that Lord's Test match? Uh, Can you recall and maybe throw up a couple of the names that uh, you fondly remember during that tour? Well, Dennis Lilly had a fantastic tour, broke broke the record for most wickets and at 22 years of age or whatever, he, he was sensational and he bowled beautifully in that Lord's Test, but... Some days things go your way and other days they don't. And that day, you know, Nicks were being caught, some great catches were being taken, uh, and Dennis had some chances put down. Um, it's just the way the game goes. 
But, um, you know, we always just went out to do the best we could to get our team into a good position. And uh, between the two of us, we didn't really care who got the wickets. Of course, you want to get wickets yourself. But it was terrific. When Dennis went off in the second innings and to have a spell after a long spell and a good spell, David Colley came on. And he told Ian Chapel that if you ever need me to bowl a quick burst, I can do it for about six overs or so, but then I'm going to be spent. And after Dennis went off, Ian Chappell went up and said, um, hey, Foxy, which was his nickname for the Fox, said, um, mate, you know that spell you told me you had in you? I need it right now. And Marshy said they all came up a step or two from where they were for Dennis. And after one or two balls from from Collie, they went back another two paces because he just <laughs> let them. He had them flying around off the ridge and cutting in, and he was unlucky not to get some wickets. And I still keep in touch with him, and uh, he's a he's a really terrific bloke. And uh, of course, we played against him a bit in Shield cricket as well, but we enjoyed each other's company uh, on that tour. Speaking about uh, teammates, of course, the West Australian contingent was strong. Dennis Lilly, Bob Massey. Ross Edwards was in that team, wasn't he, as well? And, of course, the late uh, Rod Marsh. Uh, You must have been, when you heard the news about Rod's passing, it must have affected you because I know you spent a lot of time with him. Yeah, I was devastated, like like everyone. He was my roommate on the England tour um, and terrific bloke and... Of course, we, we also went on the state schoolboys tour in 1960-61, around there, and he was the captain. Um, five days by train to Brisbane, two weeks in Brisbane, five days on the train back. I played one match, a bowl of three overs, two maidens, none for four. <laughs> and that was it for the tour. So uh, it was a tremendous uh, memories, you know, to, as a young young or youngster about what, it was about 13, 14, and... Uh, to go to, to Brisbane was like flying to the moon. Yeah, amazing. But yeah, it was, that was very, very sad. And But Ross Edwards is still uh, going well. I keep in touch with him and John Inverarity. Um, uh, yes, we've lost a few, unfortunately. Saying that, I don't recall, and I in recent times, anybody that swings the ball as much as Bob Massey swung <laughs> the ball in his time playing for Western Australia and Australia, particularly in that Lord's Test match where he picked up 16 wickets. Terry Alderman swung it a bit. Mick Malone swung it a bit. But nobody swung it as prodigiously as Bob Massey. Has that art of the game gone out now? I think so. Um, there's all this. If you listen to the commentators on TV, all they talk about is bowling 140, 150 Ks. Uh, and that's, that's the people who they want in the team. Um, someone has to bowl into the wind. And if you're not taking wickets at both ends, uh, it's harder to miss, dismiss a team cheaply enough to win the game. But uh, I, I, I practised for about five years where every time I bowled a ball, I would be absolutely concentrating on what that seam position was. And I don't see that seam position today with any of them. Well, I, I learned from reading books, um, autobiographies like from Keith Miller, Ray Linwell, etc., uh, that the seam was pointing at first slip for the outswinger and the seam was pointing at leg slip for the inswinger. Nowadays, they, sit, they tend to point the ball straight down the wicket with just a very, very slight angle. What that does is it doesn't expose the shiny side as much to the atmosphere and conditions uh, as they as, as a 
it does if you point the bullet at uh, first slip. The other thing I was told fairly early on, and I think it was from uh, Lynn Pavey, who was associated with the university, was that use of the wrist, you've got to be loose to swing, and you just flick your wrist so that it's, everything is straight and the sand comes out perfectly straight, but it, that puts a lot of backspin on the ball and that creates a turbulence. This is what I'm told. I don't quite understand, understand it all. It creates a turbulence behind the back of the ball and I think that's what, is what aids late swing. But certainly the angle of the seam and getting it out of your hand correctly all the time is the key to swing bowling. Bobby, thanks for joining us. Uh, lovely to chat to you and reminisce about that magnificent day for you at Lords in 1972. Take care and we'll keep in touch. Thanks, Peter. Welcome back to Sports Day with Peter Vlahos. Hope you enjoyed our From the Vault segment with Bob Massey. Wasn't he great? And, of course, you can join us anytime on the Temperate Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. Sports Day brought to you by Kia and the all-electric Kia EV6 GT supercar. Now, for New Farm, Australian through and through, looking at Perth's weather for tomorrow, we're looking at a sunny top of 32 degrees. It'll dip down to 17 overnight and 32 for Australia Day on Thursday. And for our friends on Bunbury, listening through uh, Spirit Network on 621, a cloud clearing for you tomorrow, 15 to 30, the temperature range, and 29 degrees for Thursday as well. Our new Farm products are formulated with the highest quality right here in Australia. New Farm Australian through and through. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 o'clock here on Sports Day. Thanks to Jimmy and thanks for Lee for helping us out this afternoon. Have a good night, everyone. See you tomorrow at 5.